Hello and welcome to another edition of Sounds Like Comics Podcast. It's a podcast based out of Perth, Western Australia. My name is Adam and co-hosting with me today is Jay. How you going? I'm good. Are you saying how you going to me? Uh, and our listeners as well. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, <laughs> this is the first time Jay and I have done a podcast together, but it's a pretty exciting one because we're talking about The Punisher Season 2. Now, if you haven't seen Punisher Season 2, we're going to get uh, out, out of the way early, the spoiler warning, because we're going to go in-depth about all the aspects of it, and we're going to spoil absolutely bloody everything. So here's your warning if you have not seen Punisher Season 2 and you don't want it ruined. Uh, if you haven't seen it, maybe save this podcast for another day. Um, now, before we get into this, Jay, um, did you hear the podcast that Gareth and I did on season one? I did, yes. Okay, so we, uh, both Gareth and I are massive Punisher fans from way back, as you would have heard. It, the podcast went forever. We wanked on about how much we love Punisher and Garth Ennis as much as humanly possible. I uh, recently got a uh, Punisher tattoo on my arm as well. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Olivetti as well. Yeah, Olivetti artwork, yeah, from the, um, the Warzone series when they kind of brought him back in the Civil War era. Anyway, uh, we were talking a little bit off air and you're saying you haven't read a lot of Punisher. No, I did the Punisher Warzone mini by Greg Rucker during his trial. Okay. And I did the Remender Thunderbolts run that was Punisher, Deadpool, Electro, where those two were banging. And Rolk. And Rolk. Yeah. Uh, That's when he had the Red Skull on the, uh, on the yeah, Punisher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the Thunderbolts was General Thunderbolt Ross's team rather yeah. than the regular Thunderbolts. But I really enjoy it. Every time he pops up in a series, whether it be Civil War or if I'm reading a Thor comic or Wolverine and then he comes in, I'm always really excited. It's just not a character I've ever dove in before in an ongoing series. Because he has some really good cameos around the way, doesn't he? Like, whenever he pops up in something else, it's always a big deal, and it's always a really cool moment because he's so different to everything else in the Marvel Universe. At least that's what I think, and I'm, I, I love the guy. Yeah, and, like, the Superior Foes series, you know, uh, Chameleon rocks up disguised as Punisher, and he, he clears out a bar because everyone just goes, oh, shit, fuck, and they sprint out they're like we got to get out of here he will murder us all and even uh and you know it helps enforce uh i think it was boomerang who's like yeah i totally stood up to the punisher when it was actually chameleon and they were having a secret meeting but at the last days for the avengers secret wars lead in you know he rocks up at the the super villains party at you know the everything's about to end and he's like that gives me two minutes to fucking take you all out these every i get goosebumps every time he pops up so good that that superior foes of spider-man series was so much better than i ever expected i as as you know working at uh at that comic zone the, the comic shop you work at i get all the spidey titles i had that like just backlogged for ages never gave a shit to read it and when i finally thought you know what it's up to about like eight issues i should probably get into this it was so bloody good it was such a sleeper yeah uh, yeah i uh i waited for the series to end before i started it it was a hell of a good read it was yeah, yeah. just and so unexpected because it looked like a bunch of jobbers and just like a really shit comic who who wrote it Could that was know? nick spencer okay Man, who now good. writes spider-man well there you go how fitting um okay now looking at uh punisher season two before we do what were your thoughts on punisher season one I loved it. Uh, there was a lot of complaints. It was slow, but having read Garth Ennis before, I knew you know he doesn't treat Punisher like an '80s action superhero. He doesn't go in guns blazing, John Wick style. And it's just headshot, headshot, headshot. There's you know he's got to do uh, recon and he starts to unravel how he's going to take a piece apart 
an operation apart and then go in. So I loved the slow burn. I liked the relationships he's building, the lack of dialogue because the Punisher doesn't hang around with people, so he shouldn't really be speaking. He's 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 not much of a talker. You know, he's like a Johnny Tightlips. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Walk around jaw jacking to people. He doesn't talk trash. He doesn't like tell people his plans or anything like that. And so um, by the time <clears> you get your action, it's so cathartic. You're like, oh, finally the release. Oh, especially some of those scenes in the first one, and furthermore, some of the action and violence in this season too. Oh, good lord! Yeah, I'm they outdid so, themselves. I refuse to watch it with my housemate because I bash it out over two days yeah and the whole time i'm like on the edge of the seat like oh you're gonna get him <laughs> oh so good oh man yeah the um the i'd say season two is a bit similar to season one in that way that there are the slow moments but the payoffs when they bring the violent scenes are like they're not fucking around yeah, and I find for season two, they had an A bit story and a B story, and because of that, it felt like the pacing uh, and the action came a lot more regularly. Yeah, just because oh, we you he's doing investigation side and building on uh, story B, but story A, it's finally come to a head, and it evened out the whole season. I found. Yeah, it's a very multi-layered uh, story to the season, which we're going to try and explain <laughs> as best possible, which isn't going to be the easiest job. Now, um, kicking things off with episode one, Frank's in, um, I can't remember what town, but he's in a, sort of like a small kind of town, isn't he? Yeah, up uh, north side of the US, yeah. like the Lakes District. Yeah, he's just chilling out. He's kind of, um, he's not happy because Frank Castle will never be happy, but he's, you know, he's he's kind of laying low he's not really killing people because obviously things got quite large at the end of season one he's pretty much laying low but he's hanging out at a regular local bar there's uh some young lady that's uh you know quite young and attractive lady that he's uh kind of taking a like to there's a bit of chemistry there yeah her name's beth played by alexa davalos uh if you ever seen chronicles of riddick she is the girl from the first movie or grown up oh. uh that's the actress but yeah she's you know, it's a small town, it's a shitty bar, she's kind of standoffish, but he kind of wins her over, and he actually starts to think, maybe I can stay here, I kind of like what's going on. Well, he takes her home and nails her. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, he goes back to her house. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he can't take her back to the lair. No, <laughs> no. The lair's gone. <laughs> but but um, yeah. after and they... She has a young kid as well, so there's a family aspect, so there is that kind of thought that, you know... Yeah, and then, you know, he goes back when you know, he's going to leave town, decides to change his mind and like, ah, oh, maybe I'll spend another night. I quite yeah. enjoyed myself. <laughs> and shit hits the fan. Oh, does it ever. Okay, so we get into um, another night at the bar and um, there's some suspicious sort of characters. Of course, Frank's, you know, very aware whenever uh, something's about to go down and boy, does it go down. There's a, there's a young girl that is the... Um, the uh, figment of the uh, affection of these bad guys. They basically, yeah. They're going after this young girl. That, I can't remember if they say her age, but she's probably too young to be in a bar, um, yeah, especially in America. Uh, yeah, I think drinking age in the US tends to be around 21. Yeah. And she's clearly not that old. Maybe at a, at a you can say, ah, oh, she's, she's post uh, high school. Definitely yeah. not out of college though. I was thinking she's maybe like 17 or so, but yeah. that notwithstanding, these bad guys are after her and a big fight breaks out, breaks out and this is your first bit of action and it's not too long into the episode <laughs> that this happens 
And um, this fight is absolutely awesome. I um I didn't get to watch this straight away because I was um binging Titans and yeah. um, which which I quite really enjoyed. Um, yeah, it was a great series. Have you done a podcast on that yet? Uh, yes. Oh, there you go. I have to go back and listen to that now that I've finished it. Uh, anyway, everyone kept telling me, wait, you see the first episode and you see this bar fight. So I had it quite heavily built up and that didn't stop it from being awesome because it is so fucking cool. Um, obviously there's, you know, he's, um, you know, smashing heads into walls, into basins and stuff. And there's that one scene where he, is it a knife? Yeah. Yeah. The guy with the knife. Yeah, he like slams this guy's head onto this knife. It's just, it's fantastic. Yeah, because like, yeah, the guy attacks him with the knife, and the whole time you're like, this guy's getting stabbed. There's yeah. no way. But yeah. when he finally get, he finally overpowers him by slamming the knife hand on a table, and the guy basically he makes that guy headbutt his own knife. It's you're like, ah, oh, there it is. That's yeah. what I wanted. The best way to describe it, if you haven't seen the show, is uh, when the Joker slams that dude's head onto the pencil. It's yeah. kind of like that, yeah. but a knife. Yeah. Uh, either way, it kind of sets the tone for the violence you're in store for for season two of The Punisher. The one thing that I thought to myself that, and this is just me being picky, which is what we hear about, is I was thought to myself like, there is no way Frank does not have a gun on him. Because he doesn't have a gun in this fight, does he? Yeah, it's a strange thing because, like you said, the Punisher would always be armed. He always. can't help himself. Exactly. It, you know, he puts on his pants, puts on his boots, a gun, then a shirt. Yeah, that's right. His, like, that's his daily... he, he would have a gun over wearing socks with his boots. Um, but yeah, great fight. Great, great way to set the tone. Uh, Beth, the woman in question, she manages to catch a stray bullet in the... In the um, yeah, in the, in the gun fight. fight. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of... Uh, <laughs> all I thought of myself was like, <laughs> he's just started to like this girl. She's been shot. I was thinking straight away, okay, she, she, she's going to die and he's going to be like, come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, no, she um, she, she ends up living. But um, <laughs> I, I think one of the more interesting parts about it is she's not really a factor for the rest of the show. <laughs> no, they... Later on, the, there's a John Pilgrim character we'll get around to, but he basically drills her for information of, like, who the fuck was this guy in this bar? It mm. wasn't a regular dude. You must know something. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, non-factor. Yeah, for, that was just it pretty much encompasses episode one, which was bloody fantastic, a great way to start. Ends with Frank taking this this young young lady who... um. Oh, she gives him a fake name. What did she say that her name is? Rachel. Um, Rachel, that's right. And he basically knows that these bad guys, uh, which eventually we find out are like Russian mafia, which straight away oh, I thought to myself in the early going, like, oh, fuck me, they're doing the uh, the Mother Russia story arc from Punisher Max. Yeah. Which it's not, but there's been countless amounts of times in Punisher history where he comes across the, uh, the Russian mob. So it's just like, either way, I'm down. Um, he's taking this girl with him. Yeah. Uh, trying to keep her safe because obviously, you know, he's more capable of keeping her safe than she is herself. Yeah, and she he's aware she's in over her head and she's unaware how deep she is. Mm -hmm. uh, played by actress Georgia Wiggum. I don't know what else she's from. <laughs> yeah, like Police Chief Wiggum. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Uh, fuck. Um, I thought she was quite good. She actually, initially when she first, like these first few episodes, she shit me to tears and I'm like, just someone shoot her. Yeah, um, absolutely. But by the end of the show, I was like, really liked the character and she kind of grew on me. Yeah, because at first, you're angry at her character. How dumb are you? This guy, you are clearly going to get murdered without this guy's help. And eventually, like, you, you, like Frank, you find the affection for her. Yeah, exactly. And like uh, Frank holds him up in some 
little backwater motel or whatever, uh, like cable ties her to the bed <laughs> and stuff so she can't run away. That's for her safety. Yeah. Because she'll bail at any opportunity. Um, they like have a scene where he gets her to like pull shrapnel out of his ass, which is... <laughs> Take with it what you will, but she's she's very standoffish. She won't tell Frank why these guys are after her. She's very, uh, I guess, like um, just comes across like a, a shitty little kid, and like that's that's what I found so annoying. But it's yeah. pretty much her, obviously, being in this uh, situation. Like you said, she's over her head and um, all that stuff. We do get a cutaway in season two to Billy Russo. Yes. Um, of course, we saw what happened to him at the end of season two. Not so beautiful, Billy Russo. <laughs> okay, and all right, I'm going to go straight off the bat from the get go. I need to address this. As much as his face, because he's obviously going to become Jigsaw, which we all knew uh, from season one, I, his face was nowhere near as scarred up as it should have been. Yeah, I I get the thing, though, is they did an interesting thing for the show where the Jigsaw element's more his mind than it is his face. Yeah. Because the, the brain trauma he suffered at Frank's hands in the season one finale... Which was so good. Yeah. Uh, he basically can't remember anything after leaving the military. So in his mind, him and Frank are still best friends, has no idea that Frank is presumed dead and his family was murdered or any of this stuff. He's having trouble remembering anything, uh, keeping track of days, but he's getting nightmares of the skull after him. He just knows he should be terrified. And those little scenes of his uh, nightmares and stuff where they're flashing the skull on the screen and stuff are really cool. And uh, what they, just to reiterate what you're saying as well, is they mention that his mind is like a jigsaw that has been, you know, all the pieces are apart and they've got to put it together. You know what I mean? They like, Pardon me. Uh, like having to rebuild a jigsaw and put it together is what they've got to do with his mind and stuff like that. The other, like, his face has got scars on it, which is, you know, obviously the jigsaw character's face is like hell hacked up. I just thought that his face needed to be more messed up. Like it should have been really like fucking haggard. Like 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 the Punisher um, Warzone. Was it Warzone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with Dominic West. Yeah, yeah. Like he was a bit over the top in that character. But I mean, uh, me, and, me and Gareth butted heads over it. I, I love that movie <laughs> yeah. just of how over the top and dumb it is. But um, I mean, that was one thing that kind of bothered me. And he's in hospital wearing a mask. Yeah. His mask kind of shit me. It wasn't as bad later on when they do things that we'll talk about, but um, I'm like, why would he be wearing this mask in a hospital? And furthermore, why would the mask have like, you know, like it's got cracks drawn on it and stuff, like, like a jigsaw type face on a mask? I'm like, it kind yeah. of defeats the purpose of wearing a fucking mask to begin with. Yeah, because I can understand him wanting to wear a mask to hide his face. He's supposed to be vain and... Any blemish on his skin should have been enough to be like, oh, how dare you? And is the scarring's enough where he'd find people react to it whenever he meets them? I get that. I do think everyone made the same point is he should have been more scarred. But, yeah. you know, how much heavy prosthetics did you want to put on the actor? He's got a lot of emotion to betray. I get it. It, I, it should have been more scarred. Yeah. But what it worked for me in the most part because he can still uses charisma with the scarring he has to to win over people. He still looks like a regular guy rather than a monster. So yeah. I guess I, I can I can see that too, but it's just it's just one of those things I, I had to pick at. Um so that's he's got a um uh like a psychoanalyst with him trying to help him out. What was what was her name again? I've got that it is down here. Krista Dumont. That's right. Played by Floriana Lima. Okay, so she becomes an important part later on down the track, and um, I think it's about season three or end of season two. Um, the 
Russian mob people end up catching up with, with Frank and this Rachel character. Yep. And um, they have a shootout in the streets, of course, a small, quiet town. Uh, one of the mobsters, Frank and this young girl, get arrested. Yep. And this is when things start to pick up. Yeah, it's... They don't know who Frank is because at the after the end of last season, uh, Madani has set him up with a new identity as uh, Peter Castiglione. Which is a nice nod to his name before it was Frank Castle. So, a little cool little Easter egg there for all the fans. And he, so he has a completely clean record. They can't find anything on him given what he did. I mean, he's already beat up from the, and got some bullets in him from the bar fight. And they're like, he, he's not a normal guy. He has training. Why can we not figure out where this guy's from? He has to have some sort of record. They think she, the girl's innocent and he's just kidnapped her. Yeah. The co- she's she's letting them think that too. Yeah. She's giving him a fake name and a fake story. Like she's she's working a good game. Yeah. But thankfully the small town sheriff is clued on enough to be like, I don't trust this girl. I'm gonna put her in the cell with one of the people Frank kidnapped, which was the the hit woman for the mafia. The girl freaks out and has to come clean a little bit to let her on. Uh, the Frank was actually protecting me. This bitch is a psycho. She was after me. I don't know why. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And this is where the shootout happens. And Frank the whole time saying, give me a gun. Let me go out there. They're going to kill you. You are in way over your head. Don't be stupid. Okay. Now, this is where I have to ask. Have you seen the movie Assault on Precinct 13 by John Carpenter? Yes. It's the only thing that came to my mind when this shit just first started, let alone when it got right into it. I'm like, yeah. it, it, this episode's Assault on Precinct 13, which I'm fucking cool with because it's a great movie. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was really cool how like, because um, like one of the cops goes out to try and get away or get help and, um, you know, he get, gets like pegged off and that because they're like got sniper guys in the bushes. There's a, there's a whole bunch of these dudes. And Frank's literally just like, Guys, just just let me at them, you know, like yeah. Scrappy Doo. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought that was a really cool scene, and when they finally do kind of sick Frank onto him, it's it's awesome. Like, yeah, he's it's dark. He's taken out all the light. They don't, can't see him, and he's picking them up, and they are unaware. He's moving from one side to the other. He's so much better trained than they are. He's very military in this scene as well. Like yeah. rather than just sort of all guns blazing, he's kind of methodically kind of picking him off quietly. Yeah, and like I'll take out this one guy and use his gun to shoot. They'll no one will be aware that the gunfire isn't going towards the precinct. It's coming like it's within the trees because they're so spread out. Yeah, and each time I'm happy, I'm by this time I'm fa- foaming at the mouth with the excitement. I'm like, just throw it. Why didn't they just let him out half an hour ago? Yeah, yeah, you could have saved that. <laughs> the cop that takes the car. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it, it leads to a really exciting episode, basically. I, I, I really dug that. Um, we do get the first showing of a character called uh, John Pilgrim in this scene as well. He's one guy that Frank doesn't get. No, he he's smart enough to include on enough that he knows maybe he's listening to the gunfire slow down. He, there's something not right. He's the sniper as well who shoots the cop who tries to drive away and he starts to try and hunt down Frank. But Madani, it turns up in a chopper, ruins the whole thing for this John Pilgrim guy who takes off. Uh, But not for the last time we do see him throughout the rest of the season. We'll touch on him in just a couple of minutes time because um, 
the other main because it's it's quite a full episode where they are doing this stuff at the at the uh, cop shop. But um, also in that episode, we have um, Jigsaw basically bashes a bunch of cops and escapes. Yeah, still amnesia if you want to call it that still doesn't really know where he is in the world at the moment but he just knows i'm getting the hell out of here and um yeah he doesn't uh, he doesn't hurt his therapist krista um although he does hospitalize both those cops uh and he's he's in the wind he's gone pretty cool scene too yeah really well done yeah uh i like that you know he still has his training so he doesn't just sprint out of the hospital, he keeps himself calm enough to to get away. Yeah, it's not like Daredevil season three hospital scene, but it's it's it's, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, that, that kind of set the that set the bar really high. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll talk more about Daredevil later. Um, and it's not until episode four that you finally see Jigsaw's face without this mask off, and that's where I was talking about um all the uh, scars and all that sort of stuff we had. Um, but yeah, so he's basically out now and he's kind of, you know, unsure of what's what and what's where or what have you. But, um, yeah, yeah, we also have, um, Frank gets asked about, you know, why he didn't kill Russo and he was saying that it would have been too easy. They kind of thought, hmm, Frank kills everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the part that annoyed me. Like, why didn't you kill him? Like, you're not the kind to take it easy. Like, I wouldn't suffer. Like, no, no, no. Like, your suffering was as you're beating him to death. Yeah. That is Frank Castle's idea of suffering. (laughs) Exactly right. And like you said, when, when he escapes as well, you get this little flashback scene of, um, of uh, Billy Russo and Frank when they're young and like you know talking about playing stickball and stuff like that, you know, it's like it, kind of like a flash. So he, you, they let you know that he's got fond memories of Frank Castle rather than the memories of him beating him within an inch of his life. Yeah, um, and it's this escape is the reason why Madani decides to go pick up Frank because she needs to bring him to New York because she has, she wants his help bringing uh, Jigsaw back in. Yeah, and um, obviously she speaks to the uh, the sheriff of that, you know, basically that Frank just saved, and um, in a very almost, almost corny sort of way, it's kind of like, well, I uh, guess we got to let you go. Like, <laughs> it's like, they, <laughs> not in those words, but you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like, yeah, you're kind of stretching it, but I don't give a fuck. It's a punisher and it's awesome. Um, and then uh, the young girl that we still at this point in time know as Rachel said that um, the the Pilgrim character, which you don't, I don't think you know his name at that point, said that she that he killed her family, um, yeah, and all that. So you kind of get a bit of a backstory, which I guess we can touch on now because that's when it starts to get into the thick of the whole that sort of side of the story. Yeah, the thrust of what who she is. Because that's the that's the B story for the season is really is her. The A story is all Jigsaw and Billy Russo. The B story is this girl that Frank is like, I'm not leaving her alone. This kid's coming with me until I solve what the fuck it is that's going on with her. Like, why is a mob obsessed with a, a young lady, like, basically? And um, it turns out uh, it's it's quite an entry. It's, it's a pretty deep and rounded story. Um, so... Is it, it's her family or is it her that has photos of a um, of a senator? Yeah, she's been hired to get photos of compromising photos of a senator. So named David Schultz. Yes, who's apparently a closet homosexual, and uh, they basically they want to blackmail him, right? Yeah, because he's on the path thanks to his family towards the presidency, but 
they can't have homosexuality in there. It'll just kill their numbers. He'll, he'll and that is because they're highly, highly religious people. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and they thought it was just going to be a blackmail gig. Her and her family, which happens to be a bunch of other street type kids, and they get the photos. They go back to wherever it is that they're hanging out. Um, she falls asleep on underneath the bed because she has this trauma of staying underneath the bed. And that's when the John Pilgrim character comes up and guns them all down. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. Just, yeah. This, this character is an interesting one. And um, he's a recurring character in this, in this series as well. And um, I got to say, I, I like, I grew to kind of, I don't, I wouldn't say I liked him, but like, I, it was exciting whenever he'd come on screen because shit was going to go down. Yeah. And as you, as the season progresses, uh, the actor playing, John Pilgrim is Josh Stewart. He's got a really intense old school look to him. Uh, when you see f- uh, images with him and his family, who are also super religious with his shirt off, he's got a lot of hate tattoos. Looks like he was in like a white supremacy gang. Yeah, yeah he's like part of the Aryan Brotherhood or something, but he's reformed and highly religious. But the thing is, when he goes to, as you find out slowly throughout the series, is when he, you know, found religion, changed his ways, I'm not going to kill people anymore, the the Russian mob were kind of like, well, no, we still need you to do some work for us. So he's kind of like this hired assassin for the, uh, for the, for the Russian mob, and that's what kind of leads him into this. It's kind of like he, all he wants to do is look after his family and go to church and all that, but he's got to kill lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they play it like, uh, they've had this own small community and he's doing this for the good of the community. Uh, and he's, this is this community. He found peace. He found his wife with which to have two children. His wife's violently ill. Uh, I'm assuming some kind of cancer mm. and he doesn't want to be away from her, especially while she's going through this, but they're putting the screws on him pretty hard of like, we really need you to do this. All of this will go away if you don't take care of this problem. Yeah, I mean, that's a good rough sort of roundabout wrap-up of that character, yeah, and the yeah. situation. Yeah, I found him almost like a bizarro Punisher. He's doing this under hire rather than uh, on his off his own back. Yeah. But he's like where the Punisher could have gone. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I found a, a, an interesting mirror. Yeah, it's a good juxtaposition of the two characters and their similarities, um, which actually... Uh, really comes into play towards the end of the series uh, yeah. in, in a good way, which I, I thought was really cool. But um, yeah, very intense sort of character, very soft-spoken and um, kind of like um, Javier Bardem in, in No Country for Old Men. You know, that kind of... Yeah, absolutely. Like sort of almost slow-moving, methodical kind of... But he's obviously well-trained as well. But um, yeah, it's, we, it's the use of uh, quoting of the Bible and about righteousness. Like just give him a, just a creepy vibe of like... Ugh, I don't like where this guy's coming from. Yeah, and he's got a great look as well. Um, we do get Frank going into a gym where he starts <laughs> to confront the Russians because he's like, okay, these Russian guys, they want this girl. Frank's ready to put a stop to this shit. Um, he doesn't know what's going on in the other story of the series with uh, with Russo at the moment so much, but he goes into this gym and it leads to this great fight that's, I guess, uh, almost in parts a little comical, but I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's the real repercussions of when you hit a human body with weights. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, bones break, faces get split open. It's... Blood. Yeah, it's so good. 
So he um, he ends up interrogating one of these Russians to try and try and get a name, and the name I'll probably pronounce wrong. Nikolai Plosnev. Is that right? That sounds, that sounds, that sounds right. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the Russian businessman, so to speak. And uh, the interesting thing is after this all happens, because Pilgrim's trying to find Frank, he goes in there, sees a bunch of busted up sort of Russian mobsters, and then he kills the rest of them. Yeah, it like, like it, it, it like it covers the tracks for him nicely, and because he's got no love for these Russian guys that are paying him and making him do this horrendous shit, he's yeah. like, "No, fuck you guys," and just wipes out the remaining ones that are still alive. Yeah, uh, and it's around this time, uh, Russo, he needs he gets the screws put on him to put a hit out on the Punisher, uh, but so he has to go back to some of his old crew the. Aryan Brotherhood to put help put the word out of there's a bounty on this guy on the streets and someone recognizes him, which leads to a pilgrim bar fight <laughs> <laughs> of which they do in a really interesting way of uh, it jumps back as you see him like setting his jaw and things of the fight bit piece by piece. And it is brutal. Yeah, it is yeah. really brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's um. Yeah, it, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, like like we said at the start of this show, it, it's quite a violent series. Like when they do give you the payoffs of these violent scenes, they're uh, they're pretty bloody full on. Like I'd probably say they're more full on than season one. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm. Definitely. Mm. Um, but the reason this all comes out, we'll step away from the Pilgrim story for a while because that happens after Russo has escaped. He's on the streets. He's starting to get some footing underneath him. He doesn't quite know what to do. He's ends up moving in with his uh, therapist because he's like, I need help and this chick's not going to ch- uh, turn me in. Yeah. But he starts hanging out with other ex-Marines and forms a crew. Yeah, which at first kind of seems like it could be almost like a like a therapy help group, but it it, <laughs> it all goes awry when one guy's car that he lives in gets towed yeah <laughs> yeah and leads the russo pistol whipping the shit out of the uh the tow truck driver yeah which establishes russo as like the big guy and he's the one who's like wow they're all like man we that was just like being back in the military i missed this and he's like why don't we use it to rob somewhere yeah. and there's just that's a great idea not dude that's too far it's yeah, yeah like, that's oh absolutely. wow we could get a lot of money if we rob a bank um. yeah. <laughs> uh one of them happens to be the uh, money delivery person for uh, yeah. a clinic which is where they get the the groundwork for we'll rob this place i know when the money's going to be there i know when the safe is going to be open i know how many people they have on security so they can plan it uh really well to hit this place up and it's in the escape of this Punisher actually steps into the Russo storyline. And this is where things start merging. But before we do, when they're robbing the uh, place, uh, one of the guys has a Mil Mascaris mask. One of the guys, like, they're all wearing different masks, and the guy's got, like, a, a Mexican luchador mask. Yeah. And it's Mil Mascaris. I just, I, as a wrestling fan, I just thought that was awesome. And he's, like, something like, um, what did he say? Something like, <laughs> I get a rash from the latex or something. Like, he's got some really dumb... It was just, it, there was some light moments in that robbery that were kind of comical. Yeah. Um, which kind of... I, I didn't mind anyway. Um, but yeah, we have a... Uh, it's almost like Frank trying to stop these guys from getting away while there's cops involved as well. It's a bit of a shootout, really. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, it devolves into like a street war- warfare. And Russo is like, 
he sees the Punisher skull because Frank's got his uh, body vest on and he sees that it's Frank and that, that piece finally drops for him of like, but he's, he's out of it. He's like, why is Frank shooting at me? Yeah. Why is my best friend trying to kill me? What the fuck's going on? Why is he wearing the skull? Why is he the thing that's in my nightmares? And uh, that's the last penny he needs to, to drop to go basically full jigsaw. Would you say the last piece of the puzzle, Jay? <laughs> I would. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's it's almost to the fact where his uh, his other like mates kind of have to pull him away because he's in the line of fire because he's just kind of spinning out so much of like, what the hell? Like he's kind of like befuddled about what exactly on earth is going on that they're kind of like, hey man, you know, people are fucking shooting guns at us. Come on, man. We got to go. Yeah, we got the money in the car. Stop yeah, fucking yeah. around. Yeah, but uh, it was an interesting scene. And uh, amongst the cops is uh, Mahoney from from season one. He comes back into it, which is kind of cool. There's a few recurring characters in this season, which I thought was nice. Um, yeah, Curtis, uh, his best mate slash medic, uh, recurs his role. He's still trying to be the the voice of reason for Frank. He's He actually plays a lot bigger part in this one, doesn't he? Yeah, much bigger. Yeah. He's Basically, once they move to New York, he's in almost every episode from there on out. Yeah. And it's his shitty, like, uh, caravan-type deal that Frank's hold up in while he's in New York. It's almost like the relationship with Microchip in the first series, but not as tactical. Yeah. Yeah, it's more like trying to be the voice of reason and like, you don't have to kill everyone. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and Frank's like, don't be stupid. Yeah. Of course I do. <laughs> it's, it's the only I'm going to end this. I should have ended it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and then obviously um, Billy goes back to, um, oh, what was her name again? Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm mind blanking. Krista. So That's right. He go, goes back to her and tells her that, that Frank was the one that sort of messed him up. He wears the skull in his dreams. And it's a really good sort of uh, powerful scene when he finally is explaining how it's all, it, it, it sort of all comes together for him. Um, I thought it was a really good scene how they did that. Yeah, and speaking to his therapist, Dr. Dumont, sh- at, when for the first few episodes, I'm like, you naive, what are you doing? Like what kind of a, what kind of a doctor or even nurse takes in someone they know that is like, you know, almost clinically insane. Yeah, uh- <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's got his file. She knows what he had done to get into that situation in the first place. Madani is visiting him daily at the hospital to like basically piss him off and get me in his head. Like, I know you're playing some kind of game. I'm not letting you yeah, get away with this. And this doctor's still like, you just don't understand the human psyche. Yeah. There's enough red flags to, uh, <laughs> to, to alarm anyone. Instead, this, this lady decides to have sex with him. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, it's a bird with a broken wind. Let's fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> It's mental. It, it, it is mental. It's um, not until you start to get her backstory that, again, another piece slots in. She has the scarred up back. She's mm-hmm. obviously had a traumatic childhood, which is why she's gone into psychotherapy. And when they get get funky together, I don't know why I'm using like child terms. <laughs> um, he sees her scars and his scarred face. It's kind of like, ooh, you know? like Yeah. <laughs> it's their connection. Yeah, and for her... It's she's her father had post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, they split up and the scarring on her back is because her dad grabbed her as a little child and jumped through a window to try and kill them both. And for some reason, it seems she thinks by fixing Billy Russo, she'll somehow retroactively fix what she couldn't do with her father. 
But she's also into the violent side of him. Yeah, she she is. <laughs> it's 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 a fucked up romance. Um, but it works really well for the series. Like as much as parts of it, I thought were a bit sort of, <clears throat> pardon me, a bit sort of silly and kind of like, surely she's not that dumb. Uh, you kind of roll with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh well, cool. What's next? And then when you get the backstory about her dad and that, and it's a really well done scene actually when they sort of show it. Um, it's yeah. fucked up, man. Yeah, because like, at first he's still thinking of using her as basically a sounding board slash hideout slash fuck buddy. And then that is what gives him the emotional connection. He's like, I get it now. We we're in this together. We're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Mental. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> <laughs> um, meanwhile, um, Billy and his mates go full tilt. They're running around knocking off places and uh, robbing joints and, um, you know, being, being sort of, uh, you know, gangsters and all that and punishes like, you know what, Billy's out there. I've got to kill him. And there's a um a really cool. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's maybe my love for like corny eighties action movies. But um, I believe Amy turns to Frank and goes like, you know, what if Billy kills you? And he's like, I'm not the one who dies, kid. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, because his group. Not only are they knocking places off, they're getting more and more militarized. They're doing they're building like a militia mm. and they're getting more and more recruits and they're thinking of going like we'll take the city which is shows you how far gone Russo is he's like we'll make a police state that we'll be in charge of meanwhile uh the stuff with Rachel whose name we now find out is Amy oh, that's right takes a back burner uh, because before all this they go to like this photographer's Dingy setup. Oh man, I forgot about that. That's so creepy. <laughs> yeah, like she sets up as like a fourteen-year-old schoolgirl that Frank's going to be doing some kind of weird sex photograph thing. It, it's fucked up, man. And they go in there f- for information this guy has, and Frank immediately starts beating on him like, "I'm going to kill this scumbag." You know what? I actually I was okay with that when he starts laying in and beating the shit out of this pedophile. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, good work, Frank. You're a, you're a good guy. Yeah. And uh, then she <laughs> and then Amy stops him. I'm like, no, don't do that. Yeah. And he's all pissed off. The guy runs out and Frank's broken his arm, taking the guy's gun. <laughs> and then as they're about to leave, she's like, you can burn down the place if it will make you feel better. And so of course so he does. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, uh, uh, um. Oh, what do they call it? Um, Boudoir? With, no, with, like, with the red lights and stuff. Oh. They develop photos. Yeah, yeah. There's a word for it. That's what they're using. They're using the, the, the dark room. Dark room, yeah, yeah. Lots of flammable things there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. because that's why they go to use this guy's dark room to uh, process the photos she has of the gay senator. It turns out the person he's making out with is the Russian dude, the the mafia whose name they give him, the mm. Nikolaj... Nikolai... Um, Nikolai Poloznev, if yeah. I'm saying it correctly, which I'm probably not. Uh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah. So, now Frank tracks him down through his kid. His he, The Russian dude's got a daughter at a private school. Uh, they figure out he's going to have a family restaurant. Frank... Kidnaps the guy using the restaurant. Amy goes in uh, like to, ha- to drop off some copies of the photos so the guy knows what's what. And that's where Frank gets the, the other part of the investigation of who's this guy. Who, uh, they're not blackmailing him for being a gay Russian mafia dude. 
who also has a family. The guy in the photo is Senator Schultz. And this is where Nicolaj is like, his family's fucking powerful. They're mental. They're the ones you need to worry about. Yeah. So as we sort of said at the start, it's a multi-layered and leveled, lots of threads going in places, but they kind of come together in a way like with stuff like this, like it kind of, it comes along. And the thing is, it, it, you don't find these things out until sort of like, you know, the second half of the series, really. Like, you know, it, it keeps you guessing for a while, which I think is good. It sort of builds intrigue. Yeah, so when you finally get another piece of the investigation uh, and you get the inf- that bit of information where it drives the story forward, you're like, oh, that's what it is. That makes sense. That That's why this thing's coming in from the left. Um, also, weird thing for Senator Schultz's parents, one of them, Annette O'Toole. Yeah. Superman's mum from Smallville. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, and, um, yeah, not not very nice people either. They're, not, yeah, they're complete and utter scum. Yeah, they're fucked. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really cool how a lot of this stuff sort of plays out. And um, it starts building up some steam in those those last few episodes. Um, you do get a uh, another flashback scene of, um, of Billy and Frank in the military kind of running this gauntlet where they've got to run through all these guys. And all I thought was like, uh, you know, toxic ma- masculinity and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm yeah, like, <laughs> they both got to take a beating from the rest of the, the yeah. platoon. So yeah. And that's Billy finding his family. Cause, mm. uh, when he first escapes from prison, he goes, uh, and Frank knew to check this out. He goes to someone, he used to be in a group home, uh, when he was a kid, Billy Russo, and someone who turns out sexually assaulted him, Frank had stopped him back when they left the military from doing anything about it. But Billy doesn't have any of that memory. So when he goes there this time, he kills the guy. Yeah. And you know what, Billy, you, that guy needed to die. He was a piece of shit. Yeah. So they kind of, <clears throat> I guess if anything, that they also build some sympathy towards this character that year. Probably not supposed to feel so sympathetic towards, but it is, I thought it was a pretty good scene. Yeah, right. and I uh, just I don't know, just kill kill pedophiles. Is yeah, what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. The only this all leads into Madani. She starts because she, she is not her investigation. Uh, the shootout in the street. The police are after Punisher. Mafia guys have a hit out on Punisher, and. It's Mahoney, it's his case. It's the New York PD investigation. Madani has no jurisdiction. But she needs someone to confide in. So she starts talking to Dr. Dumont. And it's through this exchange that she accidentally lets slip or that she doesn't realize to Dumont how you take Frank out. And it's you're not going to shoot him. You're not going to kill him. Frank's way too good for that. His weakness is he's only taking out scumbags. If you're going to break him, you need him to take out an innocent. Mm. Which leads to Frank's assault on Russo's stronghold. Man, this scene was great. Right. Yeah, it was really <laughs> More good. violence, more shooting. I mean, we, we could go into great detail about it, but I don't think we need to. Uh, yeah. Shooting, violence, death, killing. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got Curtis with him as yeah. his uh, his sniper, giving him cover and helping pick out who's what and where. Kind of yeah, like like oh look, there's there's two guys in this room. They're headed your way, and sort of um, sort of a thing like that. I thought yeah. it was really cool the sort of um the the relationship between Frank and him. Yeah, and they've 
uh, it turns out Russo's set him up. They've done their recon, their due diligence. They always have a bunch of girls turn up, which is how they find the place in the first place. Uh, and they always get to a certain level of drunken debauchery and the girls leave. That's the point at which Frank decides when the girls leave, I'll go in. No innocence. The girls always leave. They never stay. But Billy knows Frank's coming this night. Mm. So after all the shootout and shoes, uh, Frank's beat to hell. Literally, he's cut up by Russo's gang. As he's going through, though, he's just laying waste to everyone. He sees Billy run through this office, so he shoots through the wall, gets in there, three dead women. Three dead women. Innocent women. Innocent women. Yeah. And Frank's like, this is what breaks him. He, he just, instead of chasing after Billy... He's like, I've, I'm a piece of shit. He doesn't move. The cops yeah, move he in. He stays at the scene. The cops arrest him, and um, that's when we start sort of getting into the the sort of the home stretch. Frank ends up obviously he's caught by cops, but he's in a hospital because he's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in a bad way. My, I mean, one thing that we kind of picked out in season one was how 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 much Frank bounces back from injury. Like you know, get shot by an arrow, and then like you know. Couple of days later, he's good as gold. Yeah. You know, he gets shot in the shoulder and, you know, shot in the leg or whatever. You know, a couple of days, he's good. Um, yeah, he's laid up in a hospital, handcuffed to the bed and all this. And um, that's when we see the um, return of Karen Page. Yeah. All I could think was when she walked in, I was like, of course, I should have expected this. Um, she's kind of annoying me now because she's in so many of these shows. But it's kind of cool to see another familiar face. Like, we see these recurring characters come up. So I kind of had mixed feelings about Karen being in there. But she comes in and claims that she's Frank's lawyer. Yeah, because uh, at the end of Daredevil Season 3, she's no longer working for the newspaper. Uh, people have all been gunned down or killed there by Bullseye. She's gone back to working with Matt and Foggy at Nelson, Murdoch, and Page. Page. Yeah. And so she has the credentials to get to Frank. She also knows Frank's innocent. She understands Frank's Frank's mentality and that they there's also this hit out on him and the hospital is not a safe place for him. The uh the amount on him is ridiculous. It's like yes, 4 I, million? I've got it written down. 5 million. 5 million. <laughs> US dollars, <laughs> and even cops are like, you know what? This guy's a piece of shit. I've got access to him. Why not take him out? Yeah, yeah. So And so Karen is wise to be in alert. When Madani shows up, she's like, Frank can't stay here. This is ridiculous. He's going to get killed. But Frank, and Frank's aware. But oh, he he's knows. So pissed, he's so angry at himself. He's like kind of... And victimized, and he's ah. Oh, he I kind can't. of feels like he deserves to die because he killed innocent people. Yeah, I'm basically. no longer the good guy. Mm. I've I've got this coming. I'm as bad as what he is. And um, one thing I did kind of think, and I took note of, is that when Frank's in hospital and banged up as much as he is, I'm like, his face is almost as banged up as what Jigsaw's was. Like, <laughs> I'm like, not from the end of season one, but like with Jigsaw's scars remaining, I'm like, Frank could end up looking just as similar. Um, but that's just being picky. Um, and then obviously, as you can imagine. Um, people come to the hospital and try to kill Frank. Yeah, Karen's aware of this. She has a, a contact down in the morgue who... By, of course you do. <laughs> from her her days uh, working as a journalist, he has a fetish for her shoes. <laughs> and it's through that information <laughs> that her and Madani get to check the bodies of the women and realize the ammunition isn't correct the angle of entry is incorrect. 
the time of death isn't correct. It couldn't have been Frank. These women were already dead. Uh, and that's the information they need to snap Frank out of it. Yeah, it's like, hey, man, you, you didn't kill innocent people. Now you can go out and kill more people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but bad people. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it's, it's kind of... It takes a bit of convincing. Frank, Frank's, you know, he's, he's not too sure about it yeah. all, but he, uh, it, he comes around. Yeah, this is one of those episodes to slow down the pace after the, the gunfight at the end of the last one. Uh, in the meanwhile, John Pilgrim is on the drugs, on the booze, on the blowjob from a hooker. <laughs> As he's, he suspects he's not going to get back to see his wife die. Uh, and he's after the, the run-in in his bar fight. He's in a bad way. Mm. Oh, um, the scene where they're like working on him? Like, yeah. Oh, that's fucked up, man. It's like, yeah. so messed. Kind of like a semi-backyard like backyard surgery kind of scene. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's very well done. And this is where Annette O'Toole comes in, uh, Governor Schultz's mum, to put him back on track. Like, your wife's dead. She's died. What the fuck are you doing here? Why Why is this girl not dead? Why is Frank not dead? Where are the photos? And, you know, don't worry. We are looking after your boys, which is what John Pilgrim needed to snap himself out of the funk. Yeah. It's all leading towards a really good finale, basically. They're getting everyone back on track and ready to just go <laughs> hell for leather to uh, kill everyone. Um, Frank ends up getting out of hospital. Um, with, with Mahoney's help and that's when John Pilgrim tries to attack Frank and you get this kind of really cool car chase where like Frank's in the back of the ambulance remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, Mahoney's yeah. driving That's right, yes, yes And is... they're getting shot at and Mahoney's starting to realise I'm in over my head Yeah, yeah and um, there's a really cool scene the ambulance goes off a bridge and like nose dives that uh, looked like a pretty expensive stunt but it was pretty awesome Yeah, Frank yeah. gets loose works his way out of the van and he's just going to leave Mahoney there. Uh, and then he realizes it's going to blow the fuel tanks. <laughs> the fu- you know, these things, right? yeah. <laughs> the fuel tanks ruptured. Of course the ambulance is going to explode. <laughs> so despite the fact it means, you know, cops are closing in, he goes in, pulls Mahoney out and Mahoney uh, through this realizes, you know, he's wrong about Frank. Frank mm. has morals and it's not as black and white as he thought. Um, uh, Pilgrim takes off. Frank uses uh, Madani figures out how did they know how to get at Frank. Puts two and two together. That fucking psycho bitch uh, psychologist. She's got to be into this. Why she's in there? She finds the the scribble book of Russo that Russo that she took from Russo's hospital room. Russo broke into her apartment and took the book back. She finds that book in the psychologist's apartment. Mm. It's just covered in Punisher skulls. Like yeah. Constantly draws this, this symbol that's haunting him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then she realizes this crazy bitch is working with Russo. This, that's the only way she could have this book back. And they have a, a I won't call it a cat fight. Because it's way more brutal than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. not a bad little scrap, actually. Yeah. And Madani ends up putting her through a window. Like... From the third story. Yeah. Like, after after what she survived when she was young, it's like... <laughs> yeah. It was um it was pretty cool how they kind of, you know, had the had the history repeat and, and that... um 
yeah, how poetic is what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because she has a fear of heights, obviously, from mm. this. And You think she'd get a, an apartment on the first floor, right? Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with her? They're cheaper as well. Well, there you go. Uh, but we already know she has a screw loose. Yeah. Um, amongst all this stuff, uh, John actually gets Amy as well. He has has Amy with her. Where whereabouts does that happen? Um, yeah, while Madani is attacking the psychotherapist, John tracks, I believe it's the phone. He gets a phone off someone, tracks the phone to Curtis's uh, trailer trash uh, shack, <laughs> yeah. and... Amy escapes using the method that they had warned her about to begin with. But Curtis is there. He gets the shit kicked out of him. And they're unaware that Pilgrim doesn't have Amy. What he has done, though, is gone back to his shitty apartment or hotel room. And she snuck into his car Madani's car. She st- he stole Madani's car, and it was her nav computer. Her nav. I'm thing. glad you can remember that. Sorry, guys. It's uh, <laughs> this story is very mi- mixed and muddled and around about like that. I could not remember how the yeah. fuck. But yeah, because her. Pilgrim has Madani's car, he has the arsenal of weaponry that was in the back, and that's how Amy tracks him down. Let's Frank know where she is because and. It's like, Frank, found this piece of shit. Come take care of it. Mm. Which it leads to this awesome fight in these two seedy hotel rooms. Oh, man. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they, they sure do go at it. It's, um, it's really cool because the, uh, obviously the, the, the two sort of characters that they are. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't let down. No, <laughs> no. And this is round one of what becomes a two-round fight between these two as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he gets... Uh, John Pilgrim escapes. Yeah. Amy, uh, he, they go back to the trailer, which is a stupid idea because the guy now knows where it is. Yeah. And in the meanwhile, Madani has... Russo turns up when his girlfriend goes through the window. Ah, yes, this scene. And he has a drag-out fight against Madani. Yeah. Uh, one of them, which one has the gun? He has a gun? She. She has the gun. She has the gun. He gets, he's, he's strangling her at first, and I'm thinking, oh my God, he's going to fucking kill her. Yeah, but she reaches her gun after, uh, and puts a couple of bullets in him. And like, I say a couple, it's like three or four bullets that she yeah, puts she, in him. she gets him good. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's so incensed at her attacking his girlfriend, he strangles her but with the blood loss, doesn't have the strength to finish her off. So she's unconscious and he escapes. He takes the money he's got from all his uh, criminal dealings. And Quite needs, a bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a, good, a good wad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he goes to get some back alley surgery. Oh, man. Those scenes when they're pulling bullets out of him. Oh, uh, man. Like, it's like that, that shit you feel. Like, just kind of like, oh, not that I've yeah. ever had a bullet. Taken out of me before, no, but yeah, oh, I, I've had a bit of glass taken out of me, oh, and man. that was bad enough. I've like stepped on a prickle before, <laughs> and like, <laughs> um, yeah, really good scene. And um, he passes out on the table because mm. he refuses to ha- be put under because he doesn't trust the guy to not take the money and run. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he doesn't trust anyone, he's he's like 
beyond bonkers right now. Yeah. He's out of his fucking head. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so he's basically having partly he said passes out due to the uh the excruciating pain. Yeah. And the guy throws him a dumpster and takes the money and runs. As you would, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of money. And um yeah, I just uh, we we then go back <laughs> to round two of Frank versus John Pilgrim. And one thing that I thought was really cool was um, Rooster by Alice in Chains yes. plays. Now, this is one thing that Gareth and I spoke about in season one was, remember the the, the trailer had one by Metallica? Yeah. And they kind of baby drive it with like the, the gunshots in the in, in sync with the music. Yeah. Um, the song on the trailer to punish the season two was Wood by yeah. Alice in Chains. It's, Absolutely love that song. Uh, that's not in here, but Rooster is, which, um, you know, it's like a, uh, I'm just going to assume people know the song Rooster by Alice in Chains. Yeah. It's, a, it's about Vietnam and uh, war veterans and stuff like that. It's really cool use of the song, I thought. Yeah. Uh, the Alice in Chains lead uh, guitarist, Jerry Cantrell's father was in Vietnam and he was known as the Rooster, which is what the song's about. Mm. But it starts off with the line, Can't, haven't found a way to kill me yet. And this is what plays when Billy wakes up, still not dead, inside a dumpster bleeding to death. Yeah, great use of the song. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. Because earlier, one thing I will pick out, they, they do like a, a Sons of Anarchy style montage with a slowed down version of Fortunate Son. Yeah. And I fucking hated it. Yeah, like, it was When they great. used to do it all the time in Sons of Anarchy, it used to annoy the hell out of me and it, like, it really shit me. Whereas this isn't so much of a montage, it's just really good use of a song. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love CCR, but the version they play of it's shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, go us on Alice in Chains. But um, yeah, Frank and John, they're about to go at it and uh, Frank says, I'll do anything, I'll do anything for that kid, which is kind of like Frank showing a bit of heart. Like he, Ever so rarely ever does, yeah. but it's a, it's a, it's a good kind of like line when they uh when they throw down and when they throw down it's, it's pretty bloody good too. Yeah, because for Frank, Amy is the age his daughter would be mm. if she hadn't have been killed. Yeah, uh, and throughout the the craziness of their adventure, he's she's learned from him. She's learned to protect herself. She's learned to stop being such a hard ass and take his word for it, and also. Yeah, her street smarts. She's she's wormed his way into his heart. Yeah, he's like teaching you not to trust anyone and how to <laughs> disarm a gun and turn it on someone and stuff. But it's almost like a bonding as well. Yeah, like yeah. she uses it against the guy and she's like traumatized by the fact that she shot this guy. Yeah. And Frank's like, you didn't kill her, that guy who's bleeding to death. I did it. I killed the guy. Yeah, that was a really good scene. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's this weird kind of like father-daughter relationship that's just backwards and fucked up. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, John Pilgrim knows he has to take out the girl and the Frank because his children are now in danger from the Schultzes. Yes. So it's all coming together really nicely. This all goes down in the final episode. And uh, Frank and, and John Pilgrim, they go at it. And they, they have a good stoush. And um, I, I really enjoyed their, uh, <laughs> their shenanigans when they tussle. Yeah. Um, My only problem with this scene, and it's one I know uh, Mike from Comic Zone also had the same problem with, they're getting headshots, both of them, with large metal objects. They would be dead, not just unconscious, from taking that many headshots. Uh, and... Knowing that, unfortunately, from watching UFC and stuff, I'm like, I'll go with it for the story, and it's really well done. But guys, understand that a normal human yeah. can't take that many blows to the head. We know too much about concussions now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it comes to a head, and Frank's pretty much got John dead to rights, and 
just before Frank is about to kill him, he turns to Frank and says, don't hurt my boys. Yeah. And that's where the whole sort of scenario changes. Yeah. Because obviously Frank lost his kids and all this sort of stuff and they kind of... um. It kind of breaks down almost into a mutual respect. Yeah, they they both realized one wasn't going to back down. Pilgrim has the chance that Frank never had with his own kids of of, of saving them and getting out of the game. But he needs Frank's help. They have Frank and Amy have now got enough information, not just from John Pilgrim, but from their own investigation that who these Schultzes are. Completely forgot that. They had Curtis and Frank had actually kidnapped gay son Senator Schultz, oh, yeah. and had told them like, "Your parents are a piece of shit. Why are you trying to kill this girl? Why are you doing all this blackmail shit with the Russian mafia?" And this guy, they call his parents a video call as like a setting up like a ransom, and that's when the penny drops for the son of like they wouldn't be that fucked up, and he realizes. They yeah, are. they are. <laughs> His parents are the biggest pieces of shit. Um, and Frank ends up leaving Pilgrim B. He doesn't kill him. No. Uh, what we do have is Russo crawls out of the dumpster. And, and Rooster plays again when they go back to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he ends up in Curtis's uh, youth center where he does his... his uh, talks with other vets and he's bleeding out he calls Curtis the last friend in the world I know you have no reason to give me a hand but I'm bleeding you're the only person I trust I don't want to die alone please whatever you do if even if you don't turn up please don't tell call the cops and Curtis doesn't he calls Frank of course and this is an interesting scene and I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people having mixed feelings about it I kind of liked it it was not what I expected. Yeah. It's 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 what I wanted and feared that I wasn't going to get. Russo's like, I'm glad it's you, Frank, that you're here at the end. He pours out his heart. He's still, Frank's my boy. All this other stuff that happens means nothing to me. If anyone was going to be here to, to see me off, I'm glad it's him. And Frank doesn't say shit. He just empties a clip in him. Yeah. So he's like saying, he's, he's going on this kind of... um. Uh, like you said, it's almost like a parting speech or whatever. And Frank pretty much just cuts him off by like dropping three bullets into his head. Yeah. Um, and it's quite abrupt. I think people were kind of wanting more of a, um, like at the end of season one where Russo and Punisher went at it for an extended period of time. Yeah. Kind of like what Pilgrim and Frank did in this one. But yeah. instead you kind of had this like, um, kind of short and snappy sort of finish to this character that you'd sort of gone along with. And I can see how people were a bit miffed by it because they didn't get this kind of... Uh, the big drag-out yeah, fight. big drag-out payoff. But I, I kind of liked it because I wasn't really expecting it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And then just, yeah, and because it was so abrupt, because, you know, you're kind of paying attention to him. He's pouring his heart out and that, and all of a sudden just... Like, he's, he's dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, Frank just drops the gun, walks away. Yeah. And then uh, there's like people people come in and, and Madani's kind of like um, putting into place how they can cover it up and yeah, and it fits in so perfectly. And Mahoney's like, I don't like this. This is not how it happened. This is not the truth. And he's starting to realize this is how you work. It works with Frank because he is doing good guy work. It's just with all the corruption around the case, 
it's the only way of getting it out, getting it done properly. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> it was really cool, actually, how they sort of they they kind of accepting what's what Frank does and all that. As much as they don't really like it, they know it's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, and um, it actually leads to after that to uh, tie up all the loose ends of this series. Um, they go to the Schultz's house of the mum and dads. Um, yeah. Amy goes with Frank there and I loved this scene. Oh, so good. Absolutely loved it. Do, do you want to tell it? Okay, so they Amy walks in. She's got the photos uh, and she's got a gun on the Schultz's. These are essentially her demons. These are the people who have turned her life upside down. They've killed everyone she loves. Yeah. Tried to kill her countless amounts of times. Yeah. And she's got them dead to rights. They've got no gun. They were sitting down having dinner. Mm. Uh, and she's got them on tape. She's like, we've got you on tape. We've got all the evidence. You're going down. And Annette O'Toole is like, I'm going to knife this little bitch. And that's when Frank comes in and shoots her in the head. Just just <laughs> straight flat out. Just <laughs> I wasn't expecting that either. Absolutely loved it. And then he um basically speaks to the old man and sort of says, Look, like like you said, that we've we've got the we've got you on tape, we've got, you know, the photos, we've got everything to basically uh, you know, you you're going away, you're fucked, you, your gigs up. So what he does is he gives him an empty gun and he gives him one bullet and uh, he gives him the choice that he can either turn himself in or he can shoot himself. And then Frank and Amy walk out of the house. Yeah, they've got they've grabbed John's kids, John Pilgrim. Oh, uh, that's right, yep, yep. Now gets to leave with his kids intact. His kids are still innocent. They got him out the house before any of this and they've, they're free of the trauma and now they can just mourn their mother's death with their father and they're out of the life. And then as they walk walk to the car, bang! Yeah, really cool. So like, great. Such so, and like, it, it's funny at the time as well because like, because they like, I don't think I'd say elderly, but they're, they're older people. Yeah, yeah. It, it shouldn't feel so good to see an old lady get shot in the head. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> but she's done such a great job of portraying how much of a piece of shit she was, mm. and this little girl who literally had done nothing to them. Yeah. That she's like, I'm going to cut this little bitch, like. She has what it happens to her. It was coming. It was oh, yeah. a, a long time coming. Yeah. And it's that catharsis of, oh, the payoff finally. This is what I needed. Is very cool. John gets his kids back. Obviously, he can leave that life behind now. He's uh, obviously still very religious or whatever, but he can finally be done, and that's cool. And then you kind of get things wrapping up, and um, uh, Madani offers Frank a job. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come to the Middle East or, you know, whatever piece of shit hellhole I'm in here. I'm not working uh, state police anymore. I'm working, like, uh, army tactical. We're going in there. You know, no red tape. You can just do what you do. And Frank's like, nah, I'm good. I got a job. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Amy and Frank and, and John, they, they all go their separate ways, basically, at the end. Yeah. Um, you find out that uh, Damon actually survived her fall. Yes. Yeah. So whether, and we'll talk about if there's going to be more to come or whether she will play a part or what have you. But um, there's a final scene, which is really cool, after Frank declines the job. Just 
classic Punisher, like could be the end of any story arc in the comics or whatever. Just like some bad guys doing some mobster type shit. Frank just rocks up, two machine guns, just fucking. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, two different gangs. He have called a, a meeting in this one warehouse. Uh, it's Frank that called the meeting. They're all holding guns on each other, and he walks in, trench coat, skull chest uh, on the. Body vest, and like yeah, straight out of Punisher Max. Yeah, like, yeah just, just two machine guns, just laying waste and yeah, screaming as only John Bernthal can. Yeah, it such a good way to end what I think was a really good series, and just the icing on the cake. They fade to black. R.I.P. Stanley. Yeah, just like motherfuckers, just right in the feels. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's 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 something we're gonna have to get used of in the next year or so. Is that everything's gonna have that at the end in like. Oh god, the next Avengers movie, man. There's probably going to be tears. I know, and um, I know there's going to be a cameo of him in there still they, as they well. They say they filmed like about twenty that I, they haven't used. So um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, a, a nice tribute to uh, to Stan the Man and um, a decent end to the series. I know that there's been a lot of um, a lot of mixed feelings about this series online. Um, what were your thoughts? I loved it. I I really enjoyed season one, but I. I do understand people having a problem with the pacing of the first season, how slow it was. I mean, if you dread any Garth Ennis Punisher, that you should know it's about build. It's uh, it's a story arc. It's not a sprint all the way through. Yeah, if he's just mowing down people every single episode, it's going to, like, by the 13th episode, it's going to lose its charm. Yeah, for a movie, that's completely fine. For oh, yeah. 13 hours of television, it's too much. Season 2... With having your A and your B story, uh, the the complexities of both the the, uh, the investigation between with Schultz and Pilgrim, um, Russo's uh, the the whole take of his emotional trauma, you know, you get to see the backstory which made Billy Russo the the piece of shit he ends up being. It all worked so well for me. I love the sprinkling of violence. Like every two episodes, you pretty much got. That, that payoff of violence, whether it's, small or large. Oh, it's all done so well, though. Yeah. Like, because I've, I've heard a lot of people say that this, the storyline's very convoluted. And that's one thing that I really hope, if you're listening to this, it made sense us explaining it. I've kind of had these chats with Gareth before. Like, um, we'd finish a podcast going, I hope it made sense to hear. I mean, obviously, if you've seen the show, it'll probably make sense us discussing it. But there's, it's very sort of all over the place. But it all comes together in the end into its place, and I like the way how it all wrapped up in the end. Yeah, it was it was all neat. There was no loose thread. Nothing came easy. Like there was no. There was uh, no. I'll get you next time, gadget. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing too convenient. Like oh, that just fell into place. How convenient! That just happened. Just and it didn't feel. It felt like they had to earn every bit of information they got with your er- audience earned the the payoff. Mm. And uh, if they did another one, I'd be I'd be right on board. Yeah, well, I mean, personally, I thought it was really bloody good. I'm a massive Punisher fan, so that's one thing you need to take into account while I'm uh, probably not picking out too much as I normally would. I'm just a bleeding heart Punisher fan. Like I said, I've got a bloody tattoo of him. I'm I'm wearing my my Daredevil Punisher shirt right now while doing this. Like I'm more disposed to be kind of like letting things slide, but I think it was really well done. I think that it was a better representation of Frank than the first series was. 
He was a bit too much bleeding heart for that family, which kind of shat me a bit. Whereas this, he's a lot more cold and calculated and not given a fuck. And that's the Frank that I feel I know. Yeah, because the biggest complaint I've heard for the second season, they felt like Daredevil season two, we actually had a fully formed Punisher, which is why they were pissed off at season one that it took until the very end to get full-blown Punisher. And then again for season two of Punisher, everyone was like, he has this goal vest. Why isn't he just punishing people? Because he's supposed to move away from it. Yeah. it's it, We now have him finally having accepted in the final episode, in those final scene, long jacket. He's This is his life now. This is it. Like, should there be a season three, it's Punisher as Punisher deep in the punishment. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> and, it's going down yeah. south. It's it, it'll, it'll be... You know, up is down, black is white, oh, or fuck, man. That's the slavers. Yeah, that you can do that now, but you had to do the build. They had you got to get him out of New York. Yeah, but and he had to wrap his, up his story in New York first. Speaking of Punisher Max, the uh, the John Pilgrim character was um, a uh, a kind of loose based on a character called um, what is it? Is it Mennonite? Yeah, uh, which was from the was it from the Anus Run or when when Aaron took over. I think um, it was Aaron. I think it was the Aaron run, yeah. The Jason Aaron run as well, which is kind of cool. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it has been said now that Netflix has cancelled The Punisher. So as far as we know, we're not going to get a season three, but we were saying this to each other before we started this. I don't believe this for a second that they're going to... Like, the fact that they cancelled Daredevil after season three being as amazing as it was, I call bullshit. Netflix may not be doing it, but we're going to get it on Disney Plus or some other some other platform. Yeah, absolutely. They've got a clause which Netflix have activated that Marvel slash Disney cannot use these characters live action for two years, which, you know, it was two years between seasons of Daredevil anyway. I'm fine to wait. But to think... They're not going to follow up these characters with these actors and all the build-up they've done. Like, we've got, for Daredevil, we've got Bullseye from Season 3. We've got... Season 3 was the best of any of these Marvel Netflix shows they've done, I I personally think. Yeah. Um, Like, Season 1 of Daredevil was them showing what it could be, and Season 3 was the culmination of, this is is where it it should be. Yeah, like, in the Uh, thick of it, and elevated to that point yeah and i do think it takes two seasons for a character to to truly be established i mean if this was comic books this would be you know the second year yeah like it's not yep. until third year that a, a character might find their feet i also think a two-year break would do punisher well like if you had one of these seasons every year like by another one or two seasons like especially if they're one a year you'd kind of be like yeah Whereas if they kind of make you want it a bit more and you don't see him for a while, when you finally do get him back in a couple of years' time, I mean, Bernthal getting older is only going to be better looking for the character. Yeah. Like, I've always seen Frank as quite a, a middle-aged kind of guy. Yeah, more towards 38, 40. Yeah, I've always seen him as like, like even like mid to late 40s. Uh, but that notwithstanding, I don't think the break would, would harm any of them. And yeah. with Disney getting their own streaming service, they've got a lot of ideas of Marvel shows they want to do. Like they're talking about doing a Loki TV show, a Vision and Falcon show. You were saying yeah. Winter Soldier. As yeah, well. Winter Soldier. Um, they've they've also started banning about other ideas as well. Um, Have they said anything about Moon Knight yet? No, it's the one thing. <laughs> 
the Loki show is the one first up because they have a showrunner. They have Tom Hiddleston. Uh, it's the easiest one to do, and I've heard a lot of people want it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's money in the bank. Yeah. Um, Scarlet Witch Vision isn't going to go ahead straight off the bat. Uh, the only thing with the Loki show is Jamie Alexander, who was supposed to be reprising Sif, and she's got an injury to her leg uh, from doing some stunt work. Oh. Uh, broken leg. Oh shit. Uh, I think she came off a bike, but. Uh, I don't think that'll impact Loki too much because you can shoot her from the from the torso upwards. As long as she does not required to do movement, you can actually bring in the stunt double. Yeah, they can say she got hurt in a battle. Yeah, or if, a uh, or if they film all her stuff at the end, that would have given her enough time to heal and yeah, actually do her stuff. Um, yeah, and I, they've said this is just the first slate for year one: is Loki, Scarlet Witch, and Vision, um, Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes. Uh, with Falcon, and I'm sure there was another one they said as well. Basically, Disney getting this Disney Plus streaming service, uh, is it next year? Uh, end of this year. End of this year. Like, they're not fucking around. They're doing the Mandalorian Star Wars series. They're, they're lining up two or three other ones. Like, they mean business. And a lot of people have been coming out going, oh, they're not going to have the Punisher being all violent on this Disney streaming service because it's Disney. I'm not convinced. I think you can have like a parental lock like you do on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. I think they'd be foolish if they didn't. Yeah. And even if they don't decide to use it on the Disney Plus platform, they own Hulu. That's where Cloak and Dagger is. That's where The Runaways is. That's where they could decide if it's too adult and they want to keep it off the Disney platform. It's still something they own and they're not going to put less money into it. I just imagine Disney would want to put all their eggs in one basket. So would I. They're, they're diving into this streaming world, which right now is overcrowded as hell. Yeah. But Disney having what they have and like with the Fox deal as well, they're going to have so much extra stuff. Like if they chuck in all the alien movies and stuff in there too, like yeah. Simpsons, fuck, like right 30 any, seasons, any streaming service that has every episode of the Simpsons, man, sign me the fuck up. Yeah. Like, and they've spent a hundred million dollars on season one of the Mandalorian on 10 episodes. That's 10 million an episode. That is to think they're not going to do that on a Punisher series with it's established, it already has a customer base. This Punisher series, like for the most part, probably didn't cost much. No, it, it's not special effects heavy. It's blood bag heavy. Yeah, I mean the smashing up the ambulance and diving it off a diving it off a bridge. You know that was probably quite expensive compared to the rest of the shit they yeah. do. Maybe B yeah, but it, it's all it's all practical stuff. It's yeah. squibs and uh, pyro and mm. uh, stunt work. Yeah. It's not expensive CGI. Yeah. It's not closing down. Uh, and you know if for season three, move it out of New York it brings down the cost of production because you're not having to close off streets. And Frank does move out and like, like Daredevil moving out of New York. I would not like Frank being somewhere else I can live with because he moves around a lot in, in the comics. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Put him in his uh, battle van. Oh man. Through kitchen Irish. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Salivating. Anyway, I don't think it's going to be the end of, uh, of this that we know. Cause uh is that all the Marvel Netflix cancelled now? Yeah, because they cancelled Punisher and Jessica Jones at the same time. Despite the fact Jessica Jones season three, we are still getting sometime this year. Oh, okay. So they've, they've, it's already filmed. <laughs> it's cancelled before we get the final season. I mean, we all knew it was coming anyway. Yeah. Like, like and, and people have been so quick to knee-jerk react. And, oh, this is fucking wrong and sign a petition. And, oh, it's the worst thing ever. I've just been 
smugly sitting back going, there's no fucking way that they're going to stop the like Daredevil here. Daredevil above all of them. I can see maybe like Iron Fist and, and Luke Cage maybe getting culminated into what, like a Power Man and Iron Fist series or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, Heroes for Hire. Uh, yeah, yeah. But also, once that two years is up, they can put these guys in the films. Oh, if yeah. you can't, if they don't want the violence on a TV show, they will do an R-rated film. Logan and Deadpool both proved you can do R-rated uh, superhero movies. I wish Venom had stuck to their guns, but that's oh, another matter. Fuck, don't get me started on Venom. Um, <laughs> oh, that movie killed me. Um, okay, so basically, the, the going forward is very much undetermined and a lot of grey area when it comes to Marvel Netflix that... Um, that I guess like Gareth and I have, have covered quite heavily, yeah. but um, but before we wrap this um, wrap this up, what would you give Punisher season two out of five? Yeah, I gotta be honest, I, I don't like giving a half score, but this has got to be like a four and a half. Ooh, I, okay. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I would go a four. I think I gave Daredevil season three a four as well, but I think Daredevil season three was better than this. Uh, my ratings have always been a bit weird. Um, yeah. I think this was, uh, I really dug it. I can see why people didn't like it and their problems with it, but I really love The Punisher, so I'm a bit of a, a bleeding heart fan of his. I really dug it. I thought it was better than the the. Better than the first series. Um, I thought it was paced a lot better than the first series. Uh, even though it was 13 episodes, which I always bitch about, it kind of panned out pretty well. Um, yeah, they had the story uh, to cover. Usually when you go 13, you get an episode or two that slow it down unnaturally and it drags something out. They had enough story because it was so complex. Not convoluted, just complex. Yeah. That they had enough information to drop so it didn't feel like they dragged it out somewhere. And, you know, if you need more Punisher, comics, there's, uh, oh, the current yeah. series is phenomenal. I'm really digging it. Uh, you know, and it's dealing with the fallout from uh, uh, Secret Empire. Secret Empire, yeah, yeah. And if you've not read the Enna stuff, do yourself a favor oh, fuck, yeah. and dive in. Yeah, if you even if you didn't like the Punisher TV series, but you think, hey, this character is kind of cool, I would like to know more. Garth Ennis, Punisher Max, read the entire lot. There's quite a lot to it, but good God, are you in for a hell of a ride? There's other really good stuff too. Um, I really dug the Greg Rucker run. Yeah, Rucker's run. Uh, look, if you haven't heard Gareth and my podcast on season one, go listen to that because we. We talk about everything Punisher, <laughs> comics. We even talk about the old movies as well. Yeah. So that's well across it. But um, shit, even if you don't read comics, read Punisher Max because it is fucking incredible. Um, so I guess it's time to put a bow on this. Uh, Jay, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Um, and in finishing, that is basically it for Punisher Season 2. We want to know what your thoughts are of Punisher Season 2. We'd love to hear even some other things you didn't like about it or things you liked about it that we didn't mention. I hope we sort of got the story across as deep and sort of winding as it was. Uh, by all means as well. Hit us up on Facebook. Just head to Sounds Like Comics Podcast on Facebook. Let us know some topics that you may like to hear about for an upcoming show. Um, our next episode is going to be about the Firefly TV series from 2002 to 2003. You're taking that one, right? I am indeed. Yeah, you and Luke? Yeah, me and Luke. I uh, will be doing a rewatch of all 14 episodes plus the film, which I haven't done in a while, so I'm really looking forward to. All right, cool. And if you, uh, in case you missed it, you can check out what Luke and Nathan thought about Man of Steel, which was the movie back in 2013. Just quickly, we were a fan of that. I really enjoyed it. 
my I did have problems with it, but I thought, oh, you know, now it, that was another one where they took the whole movie to make him Superman, and then the sequel wasn't a Superman sequel; it was a Batman story. Oh, fucking Batman! <laughs> but I did Superman. enjoy it. I think Henry Cavill's awesome. I just wish they'd actually give him a Superman movie. Very true. The fights with him and Zod were incredible. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, cool. Well, you can check out that podcast if you want to hear about Man of Steel. Also, that Film Stew podcast, which is our, I guess, our uh, our sister podcast. They have an upcoming review coming out soon of Captain Marvel. Uh, the internet seems to have its panties in a bunch about this. I personally cannot wait for it. I'm yeah. really excited about it. I'm catching it Tuesday night. I cannot wait. Marvel have. N- very rarely let me down, and it's usually just a small thing in a movie. This, it's set in the 90s. It's my, I'm a massive 90s kid. That's Same. why Alice in Chains is like my favorite band of all time. When I saw the trailer and she's wearing a Nine Inch Nails shirt, I was like, fuck yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. crashing through a blockbuster video. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, my brother used to work there. Uh, <laughs> uh, funnily enough, it comes out um, on Thursday, the 7th of March. My birthday. Oh, beautiful. I know what I'm doing on my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're going to be doing a review of Captain Marvel, which I'm really looking forward to. Also, um, Rewind and Review, they got a recent episode out about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from 1971. I'm just going to assume everyone's seen that movie. Yeah, that's the good one. I refuse to, again, after the first time watching the... Tim Burton jo- one. Yeah, Johnny Depp. No. The only good thing about that was Willy Wonka's dad was Christopher Lee. Yeah, only good thing. Uh, yep, absolutely. That movie was shit. Uh, okay, so Jay, once again, thank you so much for joining me, buddy. Thank you. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as I said, check us out on social media. It's an absolute pleasure. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. 